This is Suno India Production. You can now listen to all our episodes on our Android and iPhone app. Download it now. Hi, this is Rakesh Kamal, the host of Climate Emergency Podcast. In this episode, I speak with Ranjan Panda, environment activist and convener at Combat Climate Change Network India and co-founder of Youth for Water. He discusses the pivotal role of grassroots organizations in the battle against climate change, particularly within the context of international platforms like COP. Ranjan Panda shares his insights into how these local efforts can influence global decisions. So let's hear Ranjan Panda now. Thank you very much, Nandi, uh, for you know coming on such a short notice. Uh, you know, if you can tell a little bit about yourself to the listeners, then we can. Yeah, oh, thanks for inviting me. It's a short notice for Earth, actually. <laughs> so we we all have to be you know coming together anyway in whichever platform possible. So thanks for inviting. I'm uh, Ranjan, and I have been working on basically water and climate change issues uh, for the last more than three decades, mm-hmm. ever since I was a master student. Yeah. And uh, my work, my grassroots work, basically concentrated in Odisha. Mm-hmm. But I'm also part of uh, several national and global advocacy uh, efforts, campaigns, research works. So in a way, I'm uh, sort of involved in a lot of you know actions around climate change. Great. So, can you uh, break it down for us, like what are the actions that you do on the ground, um, and uh, yeah. you know, what kind of policy and advocacy work do you do? I mean, I know you from a really long time. You mm-hmm. know, the amazing work that you've been doing, especially with water, same yeah, water campaign. Yeah. A little bit of, you know, if you can throw a little bit of light on it. That would... Yeah, definitely. I think one one of the primary things that we do is always, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, ask. Uh, communities, uh, work with them, and now we are also engaged more with the youth on how to uh, sort of, how to uh, learn to be part of the ecosystem. Mm. And uh, mostly, uh, you know, we, like the IPCC has also said, uh, like recognize, scientists have also recognized that we are not something, you know, out of the planet. Mm. We are also the part of the ecosystem. Mm. And if we want to love, uh, you know, our own lives, then we have to love nature mm. and and to be with it mm. you know and in it so that is you know keeping that basic you know sort of objective in mind what we are doing we are trying to promote a lot of these local adaptation efforts mm. like uh, uh, conservation of uh, local you know traditional water harvesting systems mm. uh, the second thing we are promoting uh, basically is uh, the indigenous ways of uh, life protecting local natural uh, biodiversity rich forests and the third thing that we are actually now working more on is how to connect these uh, all these grassroots communities and initiatives to global mm-hmm. networks mm-hmm. so these are these are only way the three pronged approach that we as a uh, network as an informal network called water initiatives mm-hmm. actually we are promoting mm-hmm. so to be to, so these are all like you know uh, efforts at the grassroots level, but they have uh, significance for uh, uh, for the entire world, mm-hmm. so, like many other efforts in the world. So we we basically are doing that. Great. I mean, Orissa as a state, uh, I've also seen it. Uh, it's water rich, 
but you have like droughts you have yeah. you know uh, so much of heat waves um, can you tell a little bit about you know the challenges that orissa faces uh, with climate change yeah i think the first challenge that uh, orissa and everybody else faces is uh, calculating these average figures mm-hmm. of uh, being water rich water poor you know <laughs> yeah. uh, that is uh, that is you cannot help it because yeah. water per se has been a, an engineer civil engineer dominated subject mm. and statistically they always calculate that you know orissa is water rich but like everywhere else uh, like the globe is facing climate challenges at the moment uh, it is about very specific uh, you know location specific uh, issue water i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i have all respect uh, but then uh, unfortunately policy making has become uh, like water policy making has been very civil engineering yeah. uh, you know uh, social side of it is not even socio cultural we always like for example in india we say that uh, we love the ganges yeah uh, and we always said we have a spiritual connection yes. but we never had a spiritual uh, person in the board for managing ganges for example so i think i think we we should learn to learn or all this mm-hmm. so socio cultural ecological aspects of river are as important mm-hmm. and political aspects are as as important as geohydrological mm-hmm. and and meteorological aspects yes so in fact my uh, my view was on that yeah. and uh, it's it's not about <laughs> <laughs> you the engineer <laughs> so i'm sorry yeah, uh, no, no but then coming back to the point uh, what you have is you know uh, uh, let us let us think about mons- monsoon you know if you're talking about water in odisha or for for that matter india you just cannot ignore what monsoon uh, you know gives uh, yeah. gives us yeah, the, and, role uh, the role of monsoon in water yeah. and our entire uh, sort of uh, uh, you see the, the water governance models historically have been actually set by monsoon mm. and and the related aspects and monsoon to me is very very democratic mm. unlike our our, our governments yeah. <laughs> you know many governments so uh monsoon has been democratic in in the sense that it actually falls everywhere depending on uh, the several other micro you know geo geo ecological uh, micro ecological conditions and several conditions determine yes so uh, when uh, we are dependent on the monsoon uh, it it doesn't fall uh, sort of uh, there is not an equitable distribution mm-hmm. of monsoon water mm-hmm. you know uh, so some regions receive less Mm-hmm. some regions receive more mm-hmm. so accordingly the water governance systems have developed there so for example odisha on an average you receive uh, somewhere around 1478 to 1500 mm of annual average rainfall yes. but does that mean that odisha is water rich mm-hmm. absolutely no mm-hmm. odisha is also the region to the place which was uh, which actually brought in a case on starvation death yes, yes. Uh, to the supreme court yes and and that is called the kbk yeah. one one region actually was formed the yeah. kbk region yeah. known as uh, for you know starvation deaths and acute uh, poverty at, at a point of time yeah. so that area ironically was also not water uh, deficient mm-hmm. but it had because it had a traditional system of harvesting water mm-hmm. but the, com- coming down to the coast uh, the things are completely different mm-hmm. they might be having uh, a lot of water but they they also have the sea which inundates uh, a lot of their area mm. so you know it's about very relative concept on how we consider a state uh, water sufficient or water deficit mm. uh, coming uh, back 
is that uh, you know uh, our impacts of uh, water security or insecurity as well as impact of climate change which actually you know sort of accelerates the impact of local water insecurity are <coughs> different from uh, for different regions mm -hmm. one thing that strikes me nowadays and uh, that i think should also strike the policy makers we, we keep on uh, trying you know to uh, they they are educated i i don't call they not but then we keep on you know engaging with them is that this monsoon has become very erratic yes. that we all know we talk about it but then we don't act yes. because you know odisha we have a, a local folk say uh, which uh, i always used to repeat it hundreds of times i repeat it uh, from schools to policy level dialogues we have something called you know 300 years ago uh, there was uh, or 100 years ago whatever there is something called you know atha dumukani sohala asara 3200 jhipi jhipi 64 kunda jhara tebe jai chasi bhai peto hue pura it's like you know eight uh, thunder sars atha dumukani is eight thunder sars sohala asara is you know 16 days of you know continuous power uh, 3200 jhipi jhipi is like 32 day of uh, drizzles mm -hmm. and 64 uh, 64 konda jhara is like you know 64 days of uh, uh, sort of sprinkles mm -hmm. this only makes uh, a farmer's life easy mm -hmm. so that is what is the say if you calculate that it's like 120 days of rainfall mm -hmm. what now we are having is actually 40 to 50 days of rainfall mm -hmm. but uh, the other, other side the average rainfall has not reduced mm -hmm. so it means we are actually having a huge problem there and our you know add to that our ways of managing water has been so centralized yes. so colonized that we have forgotten the distribute the distributive uh, nature of uh, rainfall yeah. so you know rain falls everywhere yeah. no matter you know uh, don't think about the volume yeah. but then it falls yeah. and it because it falls everywhere people had designed ways to you know sort of harvest it recharge it or at least contain the moisture level to the extent possible mm. to the, to the months possible mm. so now what has happened is we have uh, that's why i always say you know the civil society, civil engineering centric uh, management of water they, we always believed that we will have dams somewhere and supply water everywhere so it's a colonized approach of water mm. but then monsoon fo follows a some something complete an opposite uh, you know mm. uh, governance structure it mm. it falls everywhere mm. and you you if you want you are serious about water you have to harvest it everywhere yeah. so i think that is uh, where i think is uh, the crux of the problem lies now we are not harvesting enough and now rain is not you know uh, helping us to harvest as well mm. you know whatever little is left with us as 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 form in 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 a form of harvesting structures and systems is not capable to you know hold on to the kind of uh, incessant and kind of you know uh, sort of extreme precipitation days that we are facing mm -hmm. so like for example in mahanadi basin uh, uh, just on a day around the hirakud reservoir for example in july uh, 2018 uh, if i am remembering it correct just on a day actually 622 mm of rain rainfall poured mm. in mm. so it's like more than 40% of the entire year severity mm -hmm. so how can you say that this is a water uh, rich state mm. 
or water scare state because everything that you receive mm. you are not capable to harvest yes so you geographically if you calculate you know kind of uh, like traditional the the, uh, the historical figures say that you are water rich mm. because your your land mass is less uh, compared to the kind of water you have yes his historically yes but there's a lot of ch- lot changing in water yes. and uh, we are actually having a very very critical situation mm. uh, and uh, how do you bring this to the global level like i know you are you know on ground also like you said you are working with the youngsters on awareness yeah. on talk about it how do you bring those issues to a global forum like cop and yeah. make sure that it gets to the right people you know to understand about that yeah see one thing that we are trying is you uh, to be able to make some kind of an impact at a global level you have to pick up certain streams of action mm. like there are a lot of problems lot of challenges lot of initiatives happening in the society and we are not the only kind uh, you know type of people you know in 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 the field mm. so there are different lenses to look into the same issues mm. so we look uh, these uh, these challenges through some water and climate change you know lenses mm-hmm. and uh, one thing that we are pursuing now and that's why i'm here in this cop even before this i was in the you know the in- inter uh, sessional born intersessional mm-hmm. I, i was also with, with the iom uh, two months ago one thing that we are trying to bring is uh, the kind of challenges that people are facing because of this the changing uh, dynamics of you know water mm-hmm. uh, uh, migration new migration patterns displacement mm. the kind the sea level rise uh, you know challenges so so these are some of the issues and and how uh, you know as as a society as governments how we are able to actually incorporate policy measures plans and programs mm. which can actually accommodate these new kind of challenges we are facing mm. so uh, for example uh we all have been talking about urbanization yes. okay there is a lot happening here also so now the concern is uh we 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 kept on seeing uh, urban area as two worlds always we have normalized mm. there i always say that we are we have normalized certain certain things in the society mm. one is we have said that you know urbanization is must so it's a very normal process so we we just don't uh, yeah, we don't have a problem to see that there is one world a gated community and another one an informal community yeah. which will always be you know serving the gated community but without any rights and uh, you know resources for themselves yeah. that is uh, we have normalized that particular trend mm. now in a climate uh, scenario if you see uh, the new migrants mm. the new displaced people who many many often often you know people call them climate refugees yeah. which is very difficult to distinguish anyway yeah. uh, which is a a normal aspirational migrant yeah. which is a distressed migrant due to uh, climate uh, you know change yeah. uh, impacts whatever it is a lot of people are moving into cities yeah because the local adaptation capacity of resources including mm. water mm. has actually going is going down mm. drastically mm. there are many many as many places geographically are have actually started to reach uh, their peak mm. in so far as uh, you know ad- adaptation ability is concerned mm. <clears throat> so people will uh, move in mm. to cities so if people are moving into cities how are the cities prepared mm. are you going to be the the cities are going to the same kind of norm, uh, you know uh, 
you know hubs where we have normalized the kind of uh, uh, you know two communities two worlds where they will they will keep on coming we don't care for them yeah. they will be uh, staying somewhere on their own in dinkies and without any basic amenities no rights whatever all their knowledge systems mm-hmm. that actually uh, have, have you know were built uh, over centuries generations staying with nature their lived experiences that actually could uh, help a lot the world you know at the moment mm. everybody is talking about nature based solutions what exactly are nature based solutions it is how you you know how effectively you are developing a cap- your capacity to live with nature at peace mm. is actually the nature based solution to mm-hmm. me so if that is the solution then most of these communities actually practiced that for long yeah. but now for our for the global climate change and other problems they are moving out mm. so with them is also moving out uh, you know that that intricate link they had mm. so are we prepared as cities to handle these people to provide them with some platform which actually takes care of their 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 own strengths mm. or we are just going to make them daily wage laborers in some construction companies yeah. you know uh, so i think i think that is where uh, people like us can play a role mm. so this there are local issues there are local challenges and there are global platforms like cop has a lot of things happening yeah. so many networks are working on for example cities migrant people displaced people water uh, you know nat- nature based solution these are as, as i said you no know, these are all connected issues yeah. Yeah. so for for person like me for groups like us i think we think uh, it is a, it is important for us to try and make this connects mm. between the communities and the processes mm. that is happening mm. you know throughout mm. the world so it, it all depends on how much we can uh, how effectively we can actually and with how many groups we can work yeah. and at the end how the governments actually <laughs> actually you know take it yeah. so yeah no i heard somewhere about how uh, we are right now in a position in a place where we are creating individual solutions for a common problem mm. like ro water yeah um, everyone has ro water or filter or some kind of thing at home for what should have been a something yeah, the government yeah. should have provided yeah, yeah. like uh, in bigger cities in a lot mm. of cities across europe and everywhere you can drink the water from directly from tap mm-hmm. in india we don't do that no. so even i see a lot of people who uh you know come uh, for the first time or anywhere outside the country they find it really difficult to get yeah, yeah, out yeah. of a tap yeah, so yeah. you know Very the true. way that we are also looking at solutions uh, the whole perception has to change like you were saying yeah, in yeah. cities also we are looking at two different ways mm-hmm. <laughs> the gated community example is like perfect right yeah yeah now, i think one of the things i uh, i always say that they have, we have normalized this entire thing that you said no um buying an ro for us mm. we have stopped questioning yes that you know why should i buy a water filter mm. if i am also paying the water tax yeah. so so that is you know that is one of the other thing that we have normalized and uh, uh, and you know th- there is another statistics i always uh, you know i'm i love to uh, give is everywhere we demonize the farmers mm. you know that they are using a lot of water mm-hmm. so 80% of the global water resources is being used by farmers mm-hmm. but what the cities uh, you know concentratedly in a particular geographical location 
more water is actually spent in city. If you compare the geographical spread of cities, yeah. the amount of water they, they actually spend uh, within a particular geographical limit is much more than the per capita amount of water that farmers spend. And the farmers are actually using the water. It is not because of their fault, because it is the agricultural system that we have imposed on them, like the Green Revolution. So it's fine. At a point of time, Green Revolution was, uh, you know, needed mm. uh, to to make you know uh, national food security. Mm. But then the farmers were actually forced into that. Mm. It was not their traditional way of farming. So you provide you colonized water. You provided, you know, some water colonies yeah. all across with dams and all, and you ask them to go for this paddy and, uh, you know, uh, uh, wheat and other, you know, cash crops. So and now they are accustomed to it. Now you are going back to millets mm. because you see a potential in, uh, you know, uh, in that as a climate adaptation model as yes. well. Yes. So the. It's not the farmer who has actually taken this route of guzzling more water. <laughs> it's the at the at the root yeah. is the kind of development process you have promoted. Yeah. So I think, but that is also very natural. A government is also you know uh, working uh, on on various kind of uh, you know sort of uh, uh, on issues. Yeah. So a government cannot take decisions always. May, may not be so visionary. Mm. Many governments are doing and. We needed a point of time, we needed some food security. But then now food, crop diversity, crop uh, food sovereignty, these are concepts if actually governments can also promote. Mm-hmm. I think we can uh, go back to an era where uh, water governance can also be improved. Yeah. Uh, so here at COP, you are talking in um, you know, a session today, right? Uh, can you tell a little bit more about the session, uh, what you're going to talk about and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how you are, uh, how you think that, you know, your presence here, uh, with your presence here, how you are trying to make an impact. I mean, what would be, uh, if I can put it like this, what would you think would be a success, uh, you know, that you have uh, uh, from the work that you do that you can get yeah, into the text? Yeah, or, yeah. 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 No, yesterday I had a session with the UN University, uh, two UN universities organized. And one very important aspect they, are disc- they discussed is, you know, the socio-ecological reacts, uh, uh, you know, uh, ways to resolve many crises. Mm-hmm. So I think one uh, new issue that, is, that has emerged uh, throughout the COP and before it is this entire way of uh, mental health, uh, is, you know, health challenges. And, uh, uh, you know, before we corporatize this, you know, whole issue of health challenge due to climate change and then, you know, again go to the concentrated way of a pharmaceutical industry taking charge of uh, the solution. Mm. I think uh, people like me are suggesting ways where you have uh, the indigenous ways of uh, the living with uh, nature itself is is a ment- uh, can actually fight the mental health crisis mm-hmm. you know considering yourself as a co-worker with nature you know finding there are studies already throughout the world that if you are actually uh, and you know going back to one thing that we are doing uh, as a youth campaign uh, we we have we are running a plastic free picnic challenge mm-hmm. the very idea is you know uh, you are going to nature because it heals you yeah but you are uh, what you are actually giving back to nature is actually what kills it 
Yes. So you you put in all your liter. Yeah. You go there because it is actually giving you uh, some some happy moments. You know. Yeah. That's a mental health mm. that you are actually uh, getting from nature. Yeah. That's a that's a ecosystem service. Yes. But then what you are paying back is actually ailing it further. Yeah. So I think the same concept. If we actually start thinking, and if we actually bring in these kind of initiatives to these platforms, you know, tell them. Okay, there could be several kind of initiatives mm-hmm. which trains the young people's minds in a way that they actually can understand that the, the nature, if in fact, heals them, not these concrete buildings. Mm-hmm. So they will anyhow they have to go because we have a mental connect mm-hmm. that has been proven scientifically. Mm-hmm. So if you are sitting beside a tree, uh, you know, you know, under a tree for a moment, you are you are sitting besides uh, the rivers, you actually feel better. Yeah. Poetries have been written more, you know, around nature yes. than anything else, yes. because that feeling, that connect, mm. we naturally have it. Mm. We are natural elements. Mm. We, we are not artificial intelligence uh, kind of, you know, <laughs> robots. Yes. So something like this, we are trying to bring in this debate right. that if we are talking about mental health as an issue, uh, as a challenge given by climate change, mm. then we should talk about uh, the healing, uh, you know areas mm. and nature is that healing area mm. and if you live with nature i think uh, then you have a, and and for that you have to find a lot of innovative solutions mm. so i think people like me can bring in this kind of uh, you know initiative the second kind of thing that i am involved in cop in fact tomorrow i have two uh, two places to speak mm. one is on this climate displacement and migration mm. so what kind of policy measures uh, are are already uh, in practice throughout the world like what Fiji has done uh, mm-hmm. some of uh, one, one of the first you know uh, policies for climate internally climate you know people mm-hmm. displaced people Bangladesh has some guidelines so and what we are trying in Odisha is also to ask the government to come up with some kind of policy measures mm-hmm. so that if that can be scaled up at the national level uh, you know so kind of all these uh, initiatives people like me uh, could actually bring to the table. Mm. So wh- whichever platform is given to us, mm. relevant platforms like uh, this tomorrow's uh, you know sort of events are with the uh, the mobility mm. pavilion with mm. the IOM. So th- that's a platform where you can actually reach out to the agencies wh- which are dealing on these issues. Yeah. So if our voices are heard, yeah. if our initiatives are actually taken, uh, you know, are noted off, mm. then I think. Some changes, but and but and for people like us, the engagement is not for a cop. Mm-hmm. It's like from the village to the yes. uh, you know global village. So it's like we keep on harping on the issue time and again. Yeah. So I think it's not it's not an end in itself. Mm-hmm. So even the loss and damage uh, yeah. fund and you know considering the non-economic loss and damage is also something that we are following. Yes. And we are also following how loss and damage fund can actually fund. Uh, the needs of the climate migrants and displaced people, right. and and also at the same time, we are th- we are also following how uh, the adaptation fund is not s- sabotaged mm-hmm. because of the loss and damage. You know, mm-hmm. no no al- al- you know al- So kind of all these uh, you know a mix of uh, things because if you are in COP, you just cannot yeah. be very siloed in one thing. Yeah. You have to follow. <laughs> Because your friend, friends are also following something, so you have to support them. Yeah. So kind of a lot of things we are, yeah, we are doing, yeah.
anything else you would like to add i think i think uh, uh, i have been uh, sort of a uh, part of suno india <laughs> for long i am one of the first i think in <laughs> interviews yes so my uh, my point is you know we my request is whoever is listening we should uh, we should promote this kind of uh, alternative uh, media and uh, uh, what we see now even in cop it's a very highly uh, sort of controlled and corp- corporatized uh, media at play yeah. and lot of the issues that we actually want from cop to come out is not coming to the mainstream media so my point is uh, like for example no government wants Uh, fossil fuel phase out mm. most of the governments <laughs> including the us the china mm. and you know some other governments as well so i think uh, and and many of these governments are actually always uh, having those powerful nexus with uh, mm. media and you know other mm. things so so i think uh, uh, alternative media should be should be promoted i think people should uh, listen more and more to uh, you know us <laughs> Uh, i think that's a message and and i compliment you for whatever you are doing thank you thank you thank very much thank you